So if you'd like to be seated, Mary's going to come and uh, bring us our Bible reading for this morning. The first reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 to 46. Jesus' first disciples. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which, when translated, is Peter. Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And the second reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verses eight to 15. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Fantastic. Thank you, Mary. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your word to us this morning, we pray for your spirit to speak to each of us. Words of encouragement and challenge. Help us to grow as your disciples as we respond in obedience to your word. Amen. This morning I wanted to start off first of all with a short story uh, about myself. So just after um, our daughter Megan had been born, she was, uh, I was about 30, 30, I think I was 30 years old, uh, we moved to Kent uh, and uh, we'd move away from uh, where our parents were living in Surrey and uh, we'd uh, set up home in Kent and I was working for a church as a youth worker and uh, I got a phone call from my mum one morning and she rang out to say that uh, a really good friend of mine had died in the night. He was, uh, yeah, he'd um, uh, died of a hypo uh, in the night and had suffocated in his pillow. He was just about five years younger than me and someone that I knew really, really well. Uh, I can remember being really shocked by the news that he had died. And I remember almost being numb by, by, the, by what I'd heard my mum telling me. Uh, and all of a sudden, I just kind of didn't know really what to do with myself. And so I got in the car, and Julia was at work in a school teaching, uh, and I just wanted to go and be with Julia and tell her this news about the fact that one of my good friends had suddenly died. Uh, so I drove to the school, uh, and, and I can remember being just kind of in a state of shock that my face was really ashen and really white, uh, and I walked in through the school and the headmistress happened to be in the hallway and she saw me there uh, and she realised that something significant had taken place. And she said, are you all right? Are, are your children all right? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I, I really need to see my wife. I'm really sorry. Uh, and she said, no problem, don't worry. Come and sit in the staff room. And she went and got Julia. And Julia came into the staff room and I just told her, Peter's died. And that's all I could say. And then I burst into tears. But I needed to tell her. I needed to be with her. I needed to know someone that would be able to con kind of contain my pain and my sorrow. Uh, and I wanted to share that with her. She was the one person I thought, I need to tell this information to. My life's been changed by this person's death. I need to go and tell Julia. I need to be with her. And it's not like I needed to sit down and think long and hard, who is it that I need to go and tell? It popped into my mind straight away. I need to be with my wife. I need to tell Julia uh, about Peter's death. And this morning I've entitled this, this sermon, Who is Your One? Now it's slightly different. It's not about obviously uh, um, necessarily sharing a story about a bereavement. But my question is, as we're thinking about developing this faith-sharing culture, who is the one person that you'd want to tell a life-changing story or a life-changing incident that's happened to you? Who's your one? Who's the one person that you would want to tell if you came across something utterly life-changing? You see, in the last sort of uh, five or six weeks, we've been thinking about developing this faith-sharing culture, and we've been thinking about different principles that we can inhabit and take hold of. We've thought about encountering the love of the Father. 
We've been thinking about praying for the three people that we want to see become Christians. We've been thinking about asking good questions, gossiping the gospel, telling good stories. We thought about being a blessing a couple of weeks ago, and you practiced that last week. And today, my question is, who's your one person that you would tell a life-changing story to or life-changing information that you came across? Who's your one? Because in the few minutes that it took to read our scripture reading this morning, we came across five people who met Jesus and had their lives changed. The two disciples that were following John the Baptist, Peter, Philip and Nathaniel. Just in sort of 20 verses, five people came to meet with Jesus and had their lives turned upside down. Whenever you find five people coming to the Lord in a few minutes, you can guarantee that you've found a strategy that works. And very simply, it was people that encouraged someone to go and meet with Jesus face-to-face and have their lives turned upside down. You see, most research tells us that 75% to 90% of people who are Christians have come to faith because of a friendship with a Christian, with an already believer. We saw that in the reading we just had read to us from the book of John. Andrew tells Peter in verse 41. Jesus tells Philip in verse 43. Philip tells Nathaniel in verse 45. One-on-one faith sharing always works best in the context of relationship. And that's what we've seen here in the Bible passage we had read to us today from John. It wasn't about sharing faith with a stranger, someone we don't believe, that don't know, but it was actually about people who were friends and seeing them come to meet Jesus and have their life turned upside down. John the Baptist shares Jesus with his two co-workers. Andrew shares Jesus with his brother Peter. Philip shares Jesus with his friend Nathaniel. In other words, the best people to share Jesus with are those that we already know, those that we are already in relationship with. Our co-workers, our friends, our family, our neighbours. So the question I want to ask each of you this morning is, who's your one person that you'd like to see meet Jesus and have their life changed? You see, sharing faith that works involves, I think, three invitations that build on each other that we see in this passage here in John. And the first is very simply this. In verse 39 and in verse 46, you see the invitation to come and see. Come and see. That was just simply it. Come and see this person that I've met that's changed my life, that's turned my world upside down. Come and see Jesus. Now people, I think, will come to Jesus because of two things. But they will stay because of one thing. 
people will come to Jesus because of what they heard. We see this in verse 36 and 37. When we saw Jesus passing by, he said, this is John the Baptist, look, the Lamb of God. And when his two disciples heard him say that, they went off and followed Jesus. So people will come to Jesus because of what they've heard, but they will also come to Jesus because of what they've read. And we see again this in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, in those first five books of the Bible, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. People will come to Jesus because of what they read potentially in the Bible, revealing a truth about the nature and character of who this Jesus person actually is, what he actually did. But people will only stay because of what they see. And as we come to Jesus, we see that there's a real difference between Jesus and everyone else. And when people encounter the reality of who Jesus is and see him for who he really is, it's that that will captivate people and encourage them to stay because they see the reality of what people have said about him, of what they've read in the Bible, to be true. And it's that that holds people, the reality of who Jesus is. Now, I think there are two uh, interesting observations that we can notice from this passage that we had read, Uh, particularly in relation to this invitation to come and see. The first of all is the opportunity to come and see Jesus It's meant to be life-changing. It's not meant that you just carry on life as as though nothing has happened. It's just been another bod on the street that you happen to meet. When you meet Jesus, he turns your life upside down. And we see this uh, just in the first disciples of John the Baptist. When they see Jesus, they leave John the Baptist and they go off and they follow Jesus. They're so captivated by him that they stop what they're doing and they go off with Jesus. The second thing is this, and John was writing this gospel many years after the encounter had actually taken place. But yet he still remembers the time that he met Jesus so vividly that he says in the text, doesn't he, that it was at the tenth hour that John had met with Jesus. He can remember it, sort of writing this gospel down 30 years probably after that encounter had actually taken place he can still remember the exact time at which he had met with Jesus the encounter was so life-changing it was logged in his memory and the very first thing that Andrew did after meeting Jesus was to go and tell his brother Peter It was so life-changing meeting Jesus that he wanted to tell his brother, you've got to come and meet this guy. He's incredible. He's changed everything for me. He's the one that was promised, the one that we've been waiting for. And I guess the second thing I just want to notice as well is from this passage is that when you come to see Jesus, there are so many different qualities that stand out. Did you notice in the text that John the Baptist draws attention to Jesus being the substitution for sin? He refers to him as the Lamb of God. Yet when 
Andrew sees him, he emphasizes his messiahship. We see that in verse 41. He's basically saying this is the the longed-for king that was prophesied back in the Old Testament, the one that we've been waiting for, the one that will be our saviour and will lead our people to freedom. And yet Philip emphasises Jesus' humanity. You see that in verse 45. Each of them sees something very, very different and very particular about Jesus. And they note that, and we see that then in the Scriptures. What you might see as especially unique about Jesus may be entirely different to anybody else and everybody else. So that first invitation was, come and see. The second invitation we see in verse 42, and it's a bit like, come and be. Jesus, it says in the text, looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. When we said that the first invitation is to come and see, what we're asking people to do is, come take a look at this Jesus. Come and meet the person that's changed my life and allow him to change yours. When we say that the second invitation is to come and be, what we mean is by that is that Jesus, come and be with Jesus and allow him to do his thing in your life. Come and be the person that God created you to be and allow Jesus to, 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 to enable you to fully live that out. It's an invitation for God to come and dwell within us and allow him to do his transforming work in us in order that we become the people that God created us to be. It's an invitation to come and be what I've called you to be. And in the text we see Peter, his invitation to come and see Jesus, to come and be with Jesus, was to be the rock on which he would build his church. But we know that that wasn't always the case because we read in the Gospels the nature of Peter's relationship in following Jesus and he made loads of mistakes. He put his foot in it all the time. He got it wrong. He messed up. He said the wrong things. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. (laughs) When Peter was encouraging him to do something that wasn't part of what God's plan for Jesus was. But yet in Acts 4, we see Peter as the rock for Christ. But we know that between John chapter 1 and Acts chapter 4, there's a whole load of stuff that took place. Peter wasn't perfect. He messed up. He made mistakes. He got it wrong. He embarrassed himself. But he saw Jesus' promise come to pass. When Jesus changed his name to Cephas, to Peter, which means the rock, he came to be that person by the end of the story. Jesus invites us to come and be a rock for him. We will all make mistakes. We will all get things wrong. We will all say things that will upset people. We will all do stuff that upsets and displeases God. But just like like Peter did. But when we recognise our mistakes, we seek God's forgiveness and we move on. Just like Peter did. So the first invitation was come and see this Jesus. 
The second invitation is come and be in his presence and allow him to transform your life so that you will be the person that he created you to be. And the third invitation is simply go and tell. We can see this go and tell. It was just a natural response for the disciples. They reached out to their circle of friends to share this person, Jesus, that had so turned their world upside down. When it comes to telling others about Jesus, it's important to communicate in such a way that the listener clearly understands what's being said. In our Gospel passage, everyone who came to Jesus at that time was Jewish. So when they spoke about Jesus, they spoke about him in terms that would be clearly understood by other Jews. And we saw this in the text. Do you remember Andrew called Jesus rabbi? which simply means teacher. When Andrew told Peter we found the Messiah, it was a Jewish label, a name for the person that had been promised long ago that would be a king that would save his people and bring freedom to his people. But in John's Gospel, John's Gospel was written not for Jewish people, but for Gentile people, non-Jewish people. So do you see in the text, he explains what all of those terms mean. Rabbi means teacher. We found the Messiah, that is the Christ. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. We have to ask God to help us clearly communicate gospel words that will be understood by people that aren't churchgoers, that haven't read the scriptures, that don't know anything about who Jesus is. And I guess that as, we, as I'm moving towards the end, I just want to say just one, one thing. Not everyone that we talk to about Jesus or the gospel is going to respond in the way that we would like them to. And we saw that even in the text that I, read to you, that I had read to you this morning. At the beginning of the story, Nathaniel wasn't open to the gospel or meeting Jesus. You see that in verse 46. He says... Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? It's like he's being dismissive completely. That's a, a rubbish little village in the middle of nowhere. Nothing good can come out of there. I'm not interested in anyone who comes from there. Some people don't see anything good about knowing the person of Jesus and how he might be able to change your life. So how do we respond to people like that? Do we seek to argue with them? No. But what I would suggest is that maybe we could go back to that first invitation. Come and see. Come and check it out. Come and see this person, Jesus, that, that has so changed my life. It's an invitation. Come and see. Hopefully, many of you have been praying for three people to become Christians. And as we draw closer to Christmas, maybe it's an opportunity for you to say to one of these three, come and see. Just come and check out this person, Jesus. Maybe one of our services, maybe a coffee morning, maybe a lunch, uh, maybe warm spaces. It could be anything. Come and see this person, Jesus, that has changed my life. See what he might have to say to you. We can all invite someone 
to come and see. We do what we can so that God will do only what he can do. We are obedient in our call to be witnesses and we trust that God and his Holy Spirit will do what only he can do. The act of converting people, opening their eyes to see the reality of who Jesus is. So begin where people are at. Invite them to come and see this person, Jesus, to see what difference he may make to their life. So as I uh, conclude, let me ask you this question again. Who is your one person that you would like to see their life changed by meeting Jesus? Who's the one person you will invite to come and see? Albert McCain was a 24-year-old farmer in America who had recently come to faith in Jesus. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and took them to a meeting to hear about the person of Jesus. There was a good-looking farmer's son whom he was especially keen to get to a meeting. But this young man was really hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with different girls. And he didn't seem to be attracted to Christianity at all. Eventually, Albert McCain managed to persuade him to come by asking him to drive the truck that he then loaded with loads of other people. When they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in and was spellbounded and began to have thoughts that he had never known before. He went back again and again to hear this person talking about Jesus. One night, he went forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. That man, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. The year was 1934. I suspect that many of you here will know stories of Billy Graham's preaching around the world, the number of people that came to Christ because of his preaching and expounding the, the truth about the reality of who Jesus was. And it was all down to one person who simply said, come and see this person, Jesus. Well, he didn't actually say, come and see Jesus. He said, come and drive the truck. But it was an invitation to come and see. So my encouragement to each of you is that as we approach Christmas, think about who's the one person you could invite to come and see this person, Jesus. Shall we pray? Father God, I pray that you would fill each of us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us boldness and courage to dare to ask the question to our friends, our neighbours, our family members, come and see. Come and check out this person, Jesus. Lord God, would you do what only you can do as we seek to be obedient to your call to be witnesses. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.